in a way, I'm a poster child for making really questionable decisions during the first half of my life and figuring out finally after my life hit rock bottom that life goes better with better choices. Mm. And you start to see, you know, my life got better and better and better and better. And now, like a lot of people go, oh, you know, I'm the happiest I have ever been and the most grateful. This is for the others out there, the other ambitious people who want to play at a higher level in their life. It's time to get curious and get real. Join me, and together, let's find the others. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Find the Others podcast. I am your host, Joshua Church. Grateful to have you with us. New episodes are dropping every Wednesday and Sunday, so be sure to hit the subscribe button so that you can get the notification when a new episode comes out. And give me a follow on Instagram at Joshua Dean Church to catch different clips and highlights that I post. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast, you find something that might be valuable, please be sure to share it with a friend who also might be into it so that together we can continue to grow our tribe of others. Today, I am particularly excited to bring you a very fun conversation I had with George Greco. George is certainly one of a kind, and today happens to be his 74th birthday we're celebrating. George has lived to the brim in all of those years, and he ain't even close to being done yet. So far, he's put up scaffolding up on the sides of ships, driven cab, been a teamster, fought wildfires in the U.S. Forest Service, and polished off the last 25 years of his career as a software engineer before signing on as a sales associate at the Carlsbad Running Center. You'll hear in the podcast the story of how one conversation with his six-year-old daughter changed the trajectory of his life. At 45 years old, he traded in smoking for running, poor health for optimal health, and the well-being that comes with a positive lifestyle. George believes that everything goes better with health. Since then, he's run an amazing 623 races and amassed an impressive 379 first place finishes, 123 second place, and 47 third place finishes in his age division. He ran a six minute, seven second mile at the State Street Mile, only three seconds off the all time record for his division. You can check out his full bio in the show notes, all of his race notes as well. It's really interesting and worth a read. In this conversation, we talked all about his life, his mindset and perspective that allows him to be honestly one of the most vibrant, colorful, happy, and truly healthy people I've yet to meet. If you like this podcast, go check out episode 89 with Shiraz Dalal or episode number 65 with Rusty Osborne. And without further ado, buckle up for this amazing and fun journey of a conversation I had with George Greco. George, hello. Hello. <laughs> Thank you for having us into your home. This has been a beautiful morning so far. Absolutely. Yeah. My pleasure. Awesome. Too I, much fun. I love it. And I love the space you've got going on here, the bulletproof coffee, the the home environment you have. It feels like there's a lot of intentionality built into this Absolutely. place. Absolutely. So Fun place. Fun, rock. fun place. So uh, I understand that we are getting ready to celebrate a, a fun milestone coming up for you. Is that right? That is right. On my 74th birthday, I plan on finishing my first 100-mile race. Amazing. So this will be the first 100-mile race you've first, done. First 100 You've miles. done 100, 100K races before. Correct. Which is about how many miles? 
about 62, 63. Gotcha. Okay. And where, where does it start becoming an ultra? Is that anything after Any, a marathon? Anything after 26.2. Okay. But generally, it starts with a 50K, okay. which is 31, 31.06 miles. <laughs> and you've done a number of those as well? I've done 40 ultra marathon distances. Wow. Since I started doing them when I turned 69, about halfway through my 69th year. So so this has only been the past five years. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me more about that. I'm really curious. We've got to, we're we're going to dive into all the different topics, but I, I'm really curious to hear a little bit more about, so did you just start running at 69? No, I started running at 45. At 45. And the reason being, my beautiful daughter was sitting in my lap when I was 44 and she was six. She took my face in her hands, looked at me with her innocent blue eyes and went, Daddy, would you quit smoking for my birthday? Mm-hmm. Her birthday was 10 months out in the future, so I was hit with a blinding flash of the obvious and went, oh my God, what am I doing with my life? So that was a key mm-hmm. transformational point in my life where I was determined to quit smoking and replace. I knew I had to replace that with some sort of physical activity. Yeah. Because there's so many little rituals associated with it. And the activity of choice was running. I was working at Tyson Foods at the time Mm -hmm. as a computer engineer. And there were some English consultants. And they had this little 8 by 10 smoking room where all the smokers would go in and clouds clouds of smoke. And I was coming out of that hacking and coughing. And one of the consultants goes, oh, you look like a runner. Why don't you come and run with us? And so long story short, after I gave up smoking cigarettes, I started running with them and uh, I'd run about a mile or two and and just die. But probably about nine months later, they talked me into running my first race Mm. and uh, I had a 21 21 minute and 25 second 5K and I got this little third place medal Mm -hmm. and that really set me on fire. And so that was race number one in Missouri, and uh, I just finished my 623rd race since 45, and that was a 50K in Ridgecrest, California. Wow, over 600 races in that, and not a very long period of time. No. So I I see here what we're positioning some of the equipment on is a a stack of papers, and this stack of papers is your 2022 uh, registrations? Yes, the 100-miler called the Cold Water Rumble 100-miler, followed up by the Saguaro Half Marathon in Tucson, Arizona, followed by the uh, Zion Half Marathon on March 5th, then the uh, Antelope Canyon 50-miler on March 12th. And uh, after that, I've got the Mount Charleston Half Marathon coming down to the ski area outside of Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. And then the following week, I've got the Zion 100K. And uh, on April 10th, on May 1st, I've got the Avenue of the Giants and the Giant Redwood Trees uh, Half Marathon on May 22nd, I've got the Carlsbad 5000. Wow. Uh, on May 29th, the following week, I've got the Bryce Canyon 53 miler. Then in mid-June, I've got the Lake Tahoe half marathon. And right after that, I may have the uh, Tahoe Rim Trail 53 right. miler, but it's a lottery race. And so yeah, you need not a spot. sure about that. Then uh, after that, let me see, where are we? I've got the Sangre de Cristo uh, 50 miler 
in uh, the mountains in south, middle south Colorado. And the race starts at 9,200 feet, goes up to 11,005 and averages 10,000 feet in elevation. Wow, that's no joke. And then I've got the uh, Big Bear Half Marathon that I did this year, just uh, about a month and a half ago, and I had a 138.20 on that. And there might be another race or two in there, but that's generally <laughs> so, the, the So I, I, I've got a comment. I think your memory is better than mine. And <laughs> how, how do you have such a good memory? Is that something you've always had? Is it something that you work on actively? And I will talk a little bit more about poems in a bit, but... Is that something you work on actively or is there, what, what's the secret to that? Uh, I've memorized 40 of my poems. And so that's probably helpful. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And because running is such the celebration of running is such a central point in my life. uh, I keep track of all of the particulars because each one of these events is located someplace else. Mm. So I have to have the gear, the lodging, Am I going with somebody, mm-hmm. coordinating that? All the logistics. Uh, all the logistics. Yeah. And there's a lot when you're doing an ultra marathon. You know, if you leave anything behind, it can be a challenge, yeah. to say the least. No kidding. So I got a simple question for you. Sure. You clearly, is it safe to say that you love running? Yes. Why do you love running? What do you love about running? I love, first and foremost, the tribe, mm. the people are just amazing. It's I've looked into uh, a number of spiritual disciplines mm-hmm. and I found my home with running. Hmm. And one of the one of the reasons being is that uh, in the running communities, especially in the San Diego area, there's a sense of positivity, a sense of pushing your limits, as in if you ain't living on the edge, you're taking up too much room, and people are always attempting to find ways to express a better version of themselves, mm-hmm. almost like the software inju- uh, industry that I was associated with. It's like you're always updating. So why shouldn't that be the case with yeah. human beings? Updating our health, mm-hmm. updating our skills, updating our equipment. And so it's a very positive orientation. And the community is so supportive and helpful. It doesn't matter where you're at in terms of running, you're embraced, you're encouraged, you're supportive. And so that takes care of a lot of challenging self-images that so many people have. This gives them a tool to approach that, feel better about themselves. Once people start feeling better about themselves, there's kind of a natural process that takes hold. Mm -hmm. So those are some of the, and I race in beautiful places. Did you notice Lake Tahoe, yeah, Zion, gorgeous. Bryce Canyon, uh, some of the desert regions, the Sangre de Cristo Mountains are mm-hmm. in a dark zone. They're absolutely stunning. They've got 10 14ers, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. probably a 50-mile stretch. And you see those in the background as you're running That's cool. through forest and rivers and waterfalls. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it strikes me that the tribe and community is the first thing that you said because I think of running or I think a lot of people think of running as like it's a solo thing. Like you're, it's not a team sport, right? But it sounds like I you have a different rarely, perspective. rarely <laughs> run alone. Like the pictures I was showing you, yep. they're all filled with other people. And if you look at them carefully, there's always happy faces. Mm-hmm. And so you've got a group of people doing what they love. You know, love is the most beautiful thing on the planet. And so 
to me, that's a very, very yeah. spiritual path. That's great. And it's rowdy and it's you sweat and you get in challenging situations. It's easy to be a nice person in everyday life. But when you get out there and you're gutting it out here at mile 40, 50, 60, you know, then you get to see some of your true colors. And also when you push through some of these things, I remember when I was training for my first 50K, it was like this enormous thing. Oh my God, am I going to be able to do it? And so I'm still feeling that with a hundred miler coming Mm -hmm. up. Am I, I don't do stuff that's guaranteed. I do stuff to stretch and to enjoy and to see what's out there and see what I'm made of. And isn't that what we're here for? Amen. I think so. So <laughs> what when you talk about the, I love the idea of software upgrades. I, I, I think about that a lot. When you talk about the, the role that community plays in that stuff, software upgrades, what, what do you think that is? What, what importance do you think that having a tribe or like-minded people plays in helping you up-level yourself in any way? Okay, there's the thought that we're more than, you know, two or more are gathered, mm-hmm. something magical happens. And when you, when I go to one of my runs, there's just, I walk up and just like you guys, everybody hugs each other. Mm-hmm. There's that warmth, that human contact. And it's, everyone's always encouraging everyone else having fun, laughing, it's its just an amazing feeling. You know, it's so different than maybe going, oh, I don't want to pick in anything. <laughs> yeah, say, yeah, it's I'll unique. Say, yeah, it's, it's awesome. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, because life was meant to be like other, you know, other traditions celebrate life joyously dancing mm-hmm. music mm-hmm. and and everything and that's where i think it's at yeah that's beautiful so let's talk a little bit more about expanding your your comfort zone or doing things like you said that aren't guaranteed but they're going to push you and challenge you mm-hmm. that's something that i found when i first did my my olympic distance triathlon which is half of a half mm-hmm. i did that and i thought the thought of doing a half iron man is insane i don't think i could ever do that and then you kind of catch the bug and you're like, oh, maybe let's like, let's test it out. Yeah. And then you do a half. And you're like, that was insane. But the thought of doing double that is like uncomprehensible. Doing a full Ironman is uncomprehensible. And then you're like, maybe let's give it a shot. All right, we're going to do it. And then training all the way up to being able to do that. It's a pretty cool progression that keeps stretching. So what, what are your thoughts on that process of continuously I, stretching yourself? I'm going to go in the rear view mirror just a little while. Mm-hmm. So I put up scaffolding in the sides of ships as my first job out of high school. And uh, then another thing I did while I was getting my degree in software engineering, mm-hmm. I was a teamster and loading and unloading semi-trucks by hand. Wow. And as you can see, I'm not built like... <laughs> yeah. I'm the more streamlined model. <laughs> <laughs> And so that was out the loading dock where it got down to 10 below, you know, an outside loading dock mm-hmm. and, uh, or as so hot, if you would touch the top of the trailer, it would just blister wow. your arm. And so it takes a lot of just simply enduring. Mm-hmm. And then I was a, a firefighter in the forest service, which is was an awesome, mm-hmm. very challenging mm-hmm. kind of situation. 
where I was called upon to do uh, the longest being a 38-hour shift. Wow. And so it's not like you can just go, oh, boss, you know, I'm kind of tired. I'm just going to take a little break or something like that. You just do what needs to be done. And so those kind of prepped me for what was to come later mm-hmm, on. Mm-hmm. You know, I have that endurance, that kind of mental muscle that you gain from being in those situations. Yeah. And so as far as pushing yourself, uh, I always came from this, I wonder if curiosity Mm. point when i was 59 and i was living in the front range in colorado i went wow i wonder if i can run 52 races in a year so i ran 52 races in a year you know winter summer snow anything and uh then i was working uh in 1998 i was living in Folsom, california in the sacramento area Mm -hmm. And uh, there was an ultra runner by the name of Raina Schumann that lived in my complex. And I would just go for little runs with her, but she was an ultra runner. I barely knew what that was at the time. And she talked me into doing a, into doing a full marathon on a 15-mile-a-week base. And I went, well, I don't know if I'm ready for this. And she goes, why don't we go out for a 22-mile run the week before? <laughs> and if you can finish that, you're good to go. And I go, Okay. And so I did that, and I finished the Napa Valley Marathon, 1998. I had a 3.22, wow. which is a, a pretty solid a great time. time. Yep. But I was so freaking sore that I could not – I had a sports car at the time. I could not push the clutch down. <laughs> and I had an important assignment at work that I had to be to. So I went back there, and luckily they had massage therapists and chiropractors, and they put me together enough to where I could drive home. I couldn't walk down the stairs because the apartment was built in the hillside until I finally figured out if I walked backwards. And so I normally never take an escalator or an elevator. I had to do that. And I was up for three or four nights rubbing my legs because they were so sore, mm. not getting any sleep, having some deadlines to meet. Yeah. And I went, fuck it. Yep. I am never doing more than a 25K ever again. So fast forward to when I was uh, probably early 69, a friend of mine talked me into doing a marathon because half of it was on the trail. And I went, okay, freaking I'll do it. And then one of my friends, a Native American called Philip uh, Espinoza, his girlfriend, Whitney Liera, she came into the store and she was talking about doing this 50K up in the Redwoods, which is one of the pictures I sent you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I was fascinated, and I looked at her, and I went, damn, if she could do this, I'd be able to do it. And she told me about a group of trail runners called the Trail Crashers. So I went up to the week after, after my legs were trashed from the marathon, I went up there and did this killer run down a place called Oriflame Canyon that loses about 3,500 feet on gnarly technical trail. Then you have to turn around and come back up. Mm. And, uh, you know, I didn't know how to use my gear. I showed up with a, a hydration pack that somebody gave me. And I went, damn, this is too small. They were as big as I was. And somebody came over and adjusted it for me. And then the, the drinking tube, I was going, damn, this is beating the shit out of me. They showed me how to thread it. Yeah. You know, complete rookie. 
That's amazing. So you've you've gone from that stage of being a rookie to uh, a more seasoned uh, veteran over here. Yes, uh, experience is the best teacher. I've done stuff like uh, probably a classic, the Sangre de Cristo race I was telling you about. You go up from ninety two hundred to eleven five. Mm-hmm. You know, on about three and a half or four miles. Come back down, do a roller coaster out and back, come back up right at the end of the race. You got to do that damn thing again. So I was about two and a half miles from the finish. And on my iPhone, I put the GPX of all trails so that I know if I'm going all mm-hmm. off trail. And, uh, I had an operator error and with my batteries. And so my battery went out on my light when I had two and a half miles to go Mm -hmm. and it's a dark zone. Mm. So there's no artificial light. I was in a tree canopy, so there's no starlight. And I sat there for a moment and went, holy fuck, you know, because there's, I've gone 10 miles on that race without seeing anybody else. I went, it's getting cold at night. I was going, what am I going to do? And I remembered, oh shit, my iPhone. So I pulled out my iPhone. I looked, it had 68% battery. I go, damn, I hope that gets me there. So I had my poles mm-hmm. like this. And iPhone does cast a whole lot of light down like this for two miles before I ran into some other people. Wow. It was that technical terrain where you needed to be that close to the... Uh, it's the light was... It was the light dark. was that dark. Yeah. It was that dark. Yeah. Wow. It was steep yeah. technical terrain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you... Yeah. So why do you, why do you think that is that I think that I share that as well. And I think us humans share that of Uh wanting to kind of push ourselves or to, to see what we're capable of. Why do you think that we do that? I, you know, I, let me answer that by saying this. I love ultras Mm -hmm. because they put you in the moment and you have to be ready for anything. They never go as planned. Mm. There's always something that you have to deal with. And the mindset that I bring into it is, I don't get frustrated. I don't get upset. What's the best thing I can do right in this moment? And really, to my way of thinking, that's the best way to approach life. Because if you're wound up and life should be this way, I guarantee you it ain't going to be that way. And the more fluid you can become, and also with the thought of, it's my suspicion that life is always working with our best interest in mind, and we deem some of those things negative, some positive. But when I look in the rearview mirror, some of the most challenging parts of my life provided the deepest lessons insight, brought forth the most understanding and love from the depths of me. And so now I approach life with, oh, okay, you know, there's something better there. might feel a little painful at the time, Mm. but you start to get that attitude that allows you to flow more easily with whatever shows up. That's beautiful. Beautifully said. I completely agree. Now, does... Did, did running ultras teach you that? Was that a previous philosophy in life that you applied to ultras, some sort of combination? It's how I would answer that is when I would design a software package, mm-hmm. I would have the foundation there. 
And then there would always be new pieces to add on to embellish. Mm-hmm. And so it's not like I hit ultra running and everything, you know, came into focus. But it's a combination as I'm moving forward through life, I'm becoming more self aware. So life is becoming more deeper, mm-hmm. richer, and more enjoyable and pleasurable, no matter what shows up. And uh, ultra running really brings that to a fine point uh, because there's all kinds of things you have to deal with. Yeah. If you're in a nice, secure environment, it's easy to gloss over some beliefs that may be spinning in the background. But I did that Sanger de Cristo. That was two years ago. This year I did it and I got a new light and it's fantastic. It casts a circular, you know, vi- visual field out in front of me so I can see peripherally. And it really highlights the shadows so that you can run mm-hmm. on technical material, t- technical land. But there was about a 30 mile an hour wind and all the trees are whipping mm-hmm. and plants and bushes whipping. And it took me a while to kind of get it down. The shadows would look like they were jumping out oh man at you. when that first happened i went fuck yeah <laughs> you know and then i got that kind of figured out but when you're out there in the middle of nowhere you know there's nothing to be worried about but there's bears out there i've ran into on the other side of that mountain range i've run into bear yeah. <laughs> you know with my runner's negligee on little water bottle going oh damn, there's only one way up that trail and he or she is standing in the middle of it. (laughs) And so you get to be present Mm. with, ooh. It forces you to. Yes. Am I going to be fearful on this? Or how am I going to handle this? And so because some of the places it takes you to are extreme in relationship to the everyday you know, you get to explore or excavate areas that aren't quite as obvious, yeah. but yet can be holding you back. Mm. And, and, and kind of those limiting beliefs. That's right. What I was, was mentioning. And, and in a very kind of controlled arena or environment, right? That's yes. why I, I love, I've climbed some mountains too, and I love mountain climbing for that because it's like, you know, there's a saying that we always have, which is, I will be in my tent tonight, no matter how brutal the day is. Like I will be in the comfort and my sleeping bag and in my tent tonight. Yes. So whatever happens during the day, we can we can outlast this, and it's it's not going to last forever. We're not going to be on the mountain for for longer than five days or a week or whatever it is. And in that moment, when you know that there's like a start and a finish, and and mm-hmm. ultra is a very clear finish line that you're working yeah. towards, you know that there's a clear container here to put yourself in to learn more about yourself to see how you respond to things not going according to plan. So it kind of provides like an arena for that yeah, development. It it, as a matter of fact, this race that I was just mentioning is called the Human Potential Racing Series. Mm, cool. And it is a container just mm-hmm. for that, for people to get out there and be relatively safe. You know, there's stuff that can happen. Yeah. I've gotten dinged pretty good out there. Yeah. <laughs> Got the trail badges to show. It. Yep, yep. <laughs> so you seem like a very healthy, vibrant, um, energetic, lively, loving person. I'm, I'm. I wake up each morning. I feel so grateful for all of the amazing people in my life. Mm-hmm. 
all the wonderful ladies I get to dance with, all <laughs> the, you know, stuff like this young lady that I just met that we're going out. And, and there's, there's connections. As you start to become more self-aware, you get these hits and you realize that, oh, wow, there's some reason, you know, this isn't just a random, right. I don't think, that's my suspicion. I never try to corral other people mm. believing as I do. That, you know, there's 800, there's 8 billion people on the planet, but yet us three are right here together right now because our energy, we have similar energy that mm -hmm. brought us together. Mm -hmm. I like how you approach the beliefs and uh, challenges like with a curiosity or even just you said there, my suspicion. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit more about that from like what your belief standpoint is and how you approach your beliefs and what some of those beliefs are and how you see it from like a suspicion or curiosity. Okay. I was trained as an energetic life coach. Okay. And uh, the backstory to that was I was going with a lady with PTSD, most challenging relationship I've ever been in. But the gift was I went, I don't know how to handle this. So that inspired me to get into life coaching. Mm. And so that's one of those instances of where something that seems, you know, kind of off has a huge gift in it yeah. that I would have never anticipated up front. And uh, so I use very neutral languaging because when I'm around people, I want to build bridges. I don't want to build division. Mm -hmm. And so if I would go, you know, there's charged words, God, mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. if you express something like this is the way this it is a is, fact, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, this effect, if you don't believe it, well, mm -hmm. kind of thing. And so my languaging is oriented towards building bridges rather than cool. creating division. Yeah, cool. And so that's where suspicion or my best guess or mm -hmm. this is this is my best guess, you know, uh, subject to change as additional information comes in. Mm -hmm. Uh, I work with uh, a Christian lady mm -hmm. at work, and so uh, I refer to all that is as our original manufacturer, mm -hmm. you know, in neutral terms, because some of my friends are Islamic, mm -hmm. some are Buddhist, some are Native American, all over the map. Yeah. And so I try to be mindful of that. That's cool. That's a, a very intentional approach to just communicating, relating in, yes. in general, which I like. So tell me a little bit more about what what can I do to be as vibrant in love with life and healthy as, as you are at approaching 74? Okay. A couple of things, starting with foundational nutrition. Mm -hmm. Can I show you something? Yeah, Please? sure. <laughs> we're going, we're going over to the kitchen. I'm going to bring, I'm going to bring the, I'm going to bring the mic with me. Let's see what we can do here. <laughs> This is great. We're getting it real time. Come on, come All right. I'm going to bring this too. Just oh, oh, wow. Yeah. Do you want to hold this guy? Thank you. Okay, cool. I can just bring it on this okay. mic over here. Okay, cool. We've got a whole so, cupboard full of... Uh, so those are various nutrients that I'm taking right now. And everyone is intentional. And so in today's world... In my view, supplementation can be very, very helpful because I don't do pharmaceuticals. Mm -hmm. I do these guys. Mm. And I use my, all through life, I've used my body as a laboratory. You know, you can say that I'm doing all this stuff, but unless you express the results of doing all of that stuff, mm -hmm. is it working? 
And, cool. and so, I see you've got them all in little bowls over there too. You got it all yes. divvied out for, is that the, for yeah. the week? Yes. Awesome. That's great. So, so supplementation. Cool. Su- supplementation. I like yeah. it. Got some stuff over here for all kinds of different situations. So I haven't been sick for a long, that's long, great. Long time. And then all the good goodies, all the good goodies. We got yep. some real food in, in the fridge. Yep. Real I like it. The bulletproof coffee, which we, uh, we, we, oops, the bulletproof coffee, which we were blessed with earlier. Oh, <laughs> thank you very much. Dakota. Thanks Dakota. Our, uh... Okay. Then I wake up in the morning and the first thing I do is make myself a blast of juice, which usually includes cucumber, squash, carrots, celery, apple, beet. And, uh, then I, straighten up the house, get everything ready, and uh, have a glass of suja. Nice. In the suja, I've got marine collagen. I've got creatine. I've got some cat's claw, Mm. which is known to uh, be beneficial towards telomere health. Yep. That's the DNA caps, right? Yep. And, uh, And also, I down that with a 500 milligram capsule of niacin, mm-hmm. which just explodes. So that brings me up and present. And then I grab my 12 pound dumbbells and I do generally 125, 135 different kind of lifts. Mm-hmm. I have a little pattern, but then I'll, oh, this feels kind of good or, and so. Roll with it. Right. And so I play with all of my stuff and it's like this, this guy, I do reflexology next. Yep. And here I won't. There you go. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry. We, so, we got a very so dynamic uh, room over here as yeah, we're looking So I around. do reflexology because I've got the issue. Oh, uh, right. You're spine. healing, right? Yeah. Which is a nerve impinge between your foot bones from being in inappropriate footwear. Think mm-hmm. cowboy boots and stuff like that. And so that helps to address that. Then I do balancing like the one Mm -hmm. I showed you, because what that does is strengthen your ankles Mm -hmm. as well as balance. Because when I'm up in the mountains on technical terrain, I need to be able to maintain my balance. And then I do stretching like I can touch the ground. Most people of my years aren't able to do that unfortunately yeah I just teach as many who come into the running store as possible and so i do the stretches i do a form of face yoga mm-hmm. because people who are my age their faces are usually falling i've got big dimples and stuff like that but my face is firm it's mm-hmm. not, yeah you know, it's it's not falling yeah and each one of these hacks it's like i got the weights and start working out with those i go oh wow but, there's some wrinkles and my muscles aren't doing so good. So I did that. Then I went, Oh wow, my face is, what can I do for that? And then I just flash back to a yoga pose called the lion's pose where you stick your tongue out, Mm -hmm. do your face like this. And I went, wow, that that's cool. Yeah. And then uh, I work on range of motion with, you know, Mm -hmm. wherever there's joints. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Yep. 
and go through a whole series of that, which both brings intentionality. Mm -hmm. So I bring intentionality and awareness, especially to my feet and all these places that often get neglected. And then I end that with something called the five Tibetans. Here, I'm going to show you something. Go ahead yeah. and stand up. Okay. Okay, punch me. <laughs> I just I just punched George for all the listeners out there. I just punched George in the abs and he's got abs of steel. <laughs> I gotta say, George, I've never punched one of my podcast guests in the stomach yet, so thank you for making that the first. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we've got we've got to cover some new ground. I love it. And then I do a series of exercises like I was doing about four hundred of various types of sit-ups a day to strengthen my core. But my back just hurt. Like, mm. And I went, God, I got to find some way. And I was just putting the intention out there to the universe. And then something called the five Tibetans popped up on one of my feeds. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was moved to go look. And I went, wow, this is it. It fires up your energetic centers. It strengthens your major muscle groups. And it adds elasticity mm. and longevity. It's known as the fountain of youth, you know, exercises. So I started doing those. No more back issues. Wow. They're just a ser are they series of exercises? Yes. Cool. Five. Yeah. One is, you know, you hold your arms out like this. Yeah. It's been around 21 times. Wow. Fast. And so I can do that fast. So that maintain. When people move through time, if they don't work on their balance like everything else, you lose it. Right. And so, you know, and, uh, and so you spin around. Then the next one. And as I'm doing this. As I'm doing this kind of stuff, I bring intentionality and awareness to, oops, you're sorry. Gonna, you're going to keep doing your thing. <laughs> so, so in this one, oh, I got my watch on. you bring your legs yeah. and head up 21 times. Try it sometime. It's yeah, easy I'm going to try all of these. As it looks. Then the other one, like, I had, oh, sorry. You're good, yeah. I Dakota had, will be our boom I mic had, operator. I had challenging knees growing up and actually trick knees where I'd be running and just hit the ground. Mm. And so when I started doing, my knees would, would get painful from time to time. And then they stopped. And I went, wow, how did that happen? And then I figured out that this exercise, I got this ankle, so I put your hands to the small of your back mm -hmm. and you... yeah. Go back like that, Great and when you come hands. when you come up, guess what's pulling me back up? What my knees and my quads. Mm. So it super strengthens that infrastructure, and like the big bear half is downhill. Yeah, a lot of people have, you know, can't run fast downhill because you need knees and quads of steel. That exercise, which I've been doing from July of 2017 mm -hmm. to now daily in the morning and evening. Oops. Yep. Has really made a difference. My, yeah, wow. strengthened my knees and quads. So That's a lot cool. of people come in and go, you're 73 and you're doing this shit? What about your knees? It's the first thing they think of. Yeah. And my knees, knees are, are fine. Amazing. Yeah. So I love the whole physical regimen and uh -huh. the, the nutrients, the, the fuel, the stretches, the exercise. Amazing. Tell me a little bit more about some of the suspicions or uh, beliefs or best guesses at the way that life works or life philosophies by George that allows you to maintain this. My consideration is the universe by its nature is always working in our best interests. Mm -hmm. You know, however it appears to our down here self, 
I have the sense that it's totally unlimited, but being here it and not being aware from day one of the instructions from our original manufacturer, we get the opportunity to explore and find this out. And uh, in a way, I'm a poster child for making really questionable decisions during the first half of my life and figuring out finally after my life hit rock bottom mm. that life goes better with better choices, mm. you know, and you start to see, you know, my life got better and better and better and better. And now like a lot of people go, Oh, you know, it's, I'm the happiest I have ever been, mm. you know, and the most grateful And enjoying the hell out of life. That's so good. So <laughs> it's great to see that. And, and it's very inspiring for me as well because uh-huh. I, I believe that and I believe that that's possible and there doesn't have to be this like, you know, this peak and then it's all downhill after a certain age physically or mentally that it yeah. can continuously get better. So you're a living example of that. Yeah. And so one of the things to further that idea that the universe is working in our favor, it's one of the challenges of today's world is that if you believe in the survival of the fittest, you have things like weapons Mm -hmm. to be the most fittest. You have super competition, you know, the win lose mentality, but, and the scarcity mentality. But if you had the sense that the universe was limitless and working towards your benefit, we would have an entirely different structure on this planet Mm -hmm. in relationship to the way that we do business and things like that. You guys are vanguard of different ways of doing business in Mm -hmm. such a way that it's ethical and honorable and fun Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and inventive and creative and as a result, profitable, right? Yeah, as a yeah. result of those things is what right, I see. Right. And it's it's just like like all of this stuff that I do, the results mm-hmm. are positive and, uh, and fun, you know? And plus, if you enjoy doing what you're doing, you know, what's not to like? Yep, yep. And so uh, that's my suspicion. I like the that. universe is designed in such a way that it's always working towards our benefit. Mm-hmm. It just takes us a while to align ourselves with that. Yeah, to align. And then I think that building building evidence is always one thing that I'm doing. It's like you can look, like you said, in the rear view mirror and you can see how things that seemingly, seemingly were, were terrible or crappy in the moment actually helped you in the long run or the dots connected. Yes. And, and so I think that the more evidence you build to Just build the that more case empowered you become correct in in that suspicion and yes. and aligning with the energy of that in the current moment when things might not be going well yeah and one of the things is is that after you see that at work because when i hit can i share a little yeah poem? well i was going to say what's the poem with you yeah right? i'd love to hear the poem okay each and every tomorrow is a vision born of this day we are the shapers of destiny and each choose a way Our nearest thoughts and feelings are the paintbrush in many colors, whose shades of joy or strife we awaken from where they dream to paint 
upon the canvas of life. Select your colors wisely, yes, I listened as spirit spoke. For the picture you see before your eyes is what you painted, stroke by stroke. You know, and once mm. you start to align with the fact that, oh, life is showing up because of me, not mm-hmm. because of the government mm-hmm. or Trump or whatever. Right. Then the awakening moment I had, it's like I lost everything. I was going back to Baxter Springs, Kansas from heaven in Southern California, where I was living up in the mountains with my belongings in a cardboard box with white string tied around them on a Greyhound bus. And when I got there, I was managing a bowling alley for my folks out in Columbus, Kansas, a town of about 2,000 people that died about 100 years ago, but was still somehow mm-hmm. living. And I got it. I went, holy shit. That poem was the result of realizing I was the one that got myself into this situation. Mm-hmm. But the gift was, if I change, then I could get myself out. And so from that time when I was, let me see, I was 32. Mm-hmm. And that was your perceived rock bottom at that point? Right. Okay. It Life has gotten better and better and better. I went through some tough times. Like when I was a teamster, it was on a loading dock with a bunch of 250-pound gorillas. You know, there were nice guys and there were mm-hmm. some not-so-nice guys. And I was a California vegetarian, so <laughs> I stood out like a sore thumb. <laughs> And I had things done to me like when it was 10 below, I was taped up with tape that everybody had to seal boxes that got broken and stuff like that. Picked up on a forklift, driven around this 102-door dock, taped up to an I-beam with all of the spotlights. You could read little labels in the truck. Mm -hmm. Shined on me until a manager came along and cut me down. No way. And, uh, you know, bombs, smoke bombs in my truck and my lunch would be totally eaten. And uh, you had bill of ladings, yeah. a little, you know, slot for, because there's a break bulk. So you get a load of maybe fishing rods from, uh, from Walmart for Walmart for all of other places in New York City, Kansas City, San Diego, Seattle. And so you'd have to div- divvy them all out and take to the appropriate truck. And they'd take all of my stuff and like throw it on oh. the ground. Just and wrestling matches, you couldn't back down. So I definitely upgraded my wrestling skills. But when you have a couple two hundred fifty pounders, you know, or guys that make D- Dakota look small, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's gnarly. And then so, and a key thing about that was I was so frustrated and pissed off and react so much and go, why the fuck is this happening to me? And then I finally got it that it was my reaction was calling forth that from them. And when I got centered, it just went away. Mm. And that was a huge lesson in, wow. And so I started implementing that more and more in my life. Uh, of finding my center in situations instead of taking that guy out in the freeway that cut me off. You know, the energetic coaching program was great because it gave us all kinds of tools to use. Mm-hmm. Breathing being one of those. Situations. Breathing is my go-to. It's simple. It's straightforward. You don't have to think about it. You just do it and it works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So that's really cool. So what were some of the other changes? I like what you said is like you start making those changes, your life changes. And if you, you where you're at as a result of the changes you're the decisions you've made in the past. So what were some of those changes that you started making, making to help you get out of that rock bottom? First of all, believing I could was yeah. the most essential and important yeah. part because that gives you the wherewithal to keep going when the going got tough, you know, just mm -hmm. believing that it was going to get better. And let me see, what were some... It has to start there, huh? It has to start oh, with yeah, the belief. Yeah. yeah, it's just like this 100-miler. Yeah. Or anything that I've done, you know? So many people go, they're doing a lot more miles than me, and they're all freaked out about like a 30, you know, 31 mile race and stuff. And I know that they have the fitness. They just don't have the mental mm. piece down. Yep. Belief is so huge. It's such a motivator, something that keeps you focused and something that carries you through when life shows up in ways that you never, ever anticipated. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. And so I'm really... That's because, because I can't run right now. Mm -hmm. So I'm working on that component as I'm looking towards the hundred miler. Okay. You know, so my main goal is just to get this healthy. And I ran a 31 mile race out of daily ranch. I'm not sure yeah, if you're yeah, familiar yeah. with daily ranch. Yeah. And there's about 5,500 feet of elevation gain in 31 miles. Well, the hundred miler I'm going to do just has, as I said, 7,600. So Daily Ranch is way steeper and more technical. And I dinged myself, so I power walked that 31 miles, 31 plus miles in a little over eight and a half hours. Mm -hmm. So I extrapolated that, you know, three of those would take me to 93 miles in 26 hours. Then I have another six for that last seven plus some cushion time. And so as long as I can, you know, be smart, get this healthy, I've got a really good soft tissue guy and chiropractor. Mm -hmm. He goes, don't even think about anything till you get range of motion. Mm -hmm. You know, in other words, I want to get the left one to the right one, which I've finally gotten nice. both ways, you know, this way and this way. So I've got the range of motion. Now, secondarily, I'm going to be working on the strength component. And then first and foremost, believing that this is going to, to do the job. Yeah, that's it. That's beautiful. I think the 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 other thing that I wanted to share with um, with people listening to this as well, um, you shared a poem just just a few minutes ago, which I loved, yeah. and that was the I think the fourth or fifth poem you shared today already, which which I love. So I, I want I want you to tell me a little bit more about the the poems. Um, you've clearly written poetry, written a lot of poetry, and then you decided to commit about forty of them, as you said, to memory. Tell me a little bit more about you as a poet. Uh, I think the first poem that I wrote was about a relationship that went south when I was 17. And I really started to fire up my engines when I was a, uh, a coach for the Foundation of Conscious Evolution for five years back in the early 2000s. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, it was a very inspirational program, and it was headed up by Barbara Marks Hubbard. If you haven't heard of her, she's kind of like the grandmother of the, how do I want to say, movement, Mm -hmm. awareness movement. And, uh, And so what the goal of that program was, there's so many others, just like your podcast, spread all over the planet that are alone and didn't have a way to really connect and be empowered. Yep. And so this program was designed towards that to reach out and virtually create groups. And I was the leader of one of those groups mm-hmm. where we had people from around the planet. And uh, then a, you know, we had a manual that we would work through with a lot of creativity, a lot of flexibility. And the idea being that, you know, and this probably needs some upgrading that we have within us, the evolutionary memory of the entirety of life on this planet. Mm. And that finally we're at that place at that edgy place right now where the caterpillar is ready to become the butterfly Mm -hmm. and there's mass chaos before that birth just like we see in the world right now. Mm -hmm. And this is a little aside, but one of the things that I learned, I would look out at all the chaos and get wrapped up in it and go, oh my God, look at this, look at that. Until I finally realized the very best way that I could vote with my energy was to stay over here on the sunny side of the street. What can I do to make it better? Mm. You know, in my own life with the people that I meet and everything that comes my way, rather than getting entangled on all of the stuff out there. It always begins in here. Beautiful. And uh, so that... More poetry? That started it. uh, That was a, like, I would present my poetry to the, Mm -hmm. you know, to the group and get a lot of feedback and different things like that. So a lot of it was inspired from that. And then there was a poetry group in Colorado Springs where I was living at the time. And my daughter and I had even given little presentations at Eureka Springs, Arkansas, and different places like that. She's poetically inclined as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, kind of a defining moment was at the Colorado Springs Library, went to a poetry meeting there, and the group leader, before most poetry meetings were, piece of paper held up like this in a monotone, you know, with no life force right. imbued in it to reach out and touch and uh, vitalize the audience. And the leader stood up and recited a poem. And I went, wow, that is so cool. I want to do that. So do you mind if I share the poem? That I'd love to hear that? it. Go ahead. May the spirit of Christmas, sweet, soft, and low, like the kisses of angels as new fallen snow, Slide brightly down moonbeams encircled by stars and ribbons of rainbows from Venus to Mars, shimmering, flying in a wild carriage drawn by the colors and wishes yet dreamy as dawn, leaping and laughing so wild on the wind, arising as visions from heavens within. Like petals and feathers and flowers with wings, the highest of raptures in all living things, sailing and soaring forever, my friend, ascending a stairway without any end. To the furthest horizon our dreams ever fly, to the tops of the mountains and heart of the sky. 
alive with the fires and passions that dream of the spirit of Christmas for all living things. Beautiful. Timely, timely <laughs> poem too. <laughs> That's great. And so that was the one that after I was inspired Mm -hmm. by seeing that and that's one of the things too we inspire each other by seeing what each other are doing so i've become much more intentional intentional even though i'm a rowdy fun-loving guy about how i present myself to the world Mm. because it makes a difference it's amazing and one little example of that when i was working in colorado springs uh there was a big parking garage by our building and I was walking through there and somebody came up to me and I went, you know what you said five years ago? Mm. That just really made a difference. I didn't freaking have a clue. And yeah. I just played along with it. And I went, wow, I'm really glad. That's awesome. But I stopped and I went, wow. You know, it's amazing the impact we can have that we don't even know. Right. So I'm a little bit more mindful of. It's beautiful. Massive ripple effect. Well, George, this has been an amazing conversation, and I want to thank you so much for having uh, having us and having me cool. into into your home to to dive in and, and let me pick your brain a little bit. Is there anything that you want to share with the listeners as we wrap up here? No, I'm good. <laughs> cool, beautiful. <laughs> well, thank you so much, and uh, we'll look forward to uh, having another conversation. Uh, we'll loop Dakota in this time, so we can have a, cool. a nice a nice cool. three three three, three combo. Yeah. Three way. Right? That's right. That's right. Yeah, awesome. we can really dive deep into that, and uh, and yeah, I'm, I wish you the best of the recovery here, and crush the hundred miles for your birthday, cool. and uh, until next time, thank you. Bye.